listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now bring you pro-life activism from creation to death with Jim Sedlak. Hello and welcome to pro-life activism from creation to death. This is the program that is intended for all those who want to create a culture of life in the United States. We do this by bringing you up to date on the uh, what's going on in the pro-life movement and by having guests on at certain times to uh, to really inform you of what's going on locally around the country. Today, we're going to be covering things nationally uh, and things that are going on. One of the things that we're going to be talking about is the Women's Health Protection Act of 2021. But before we get into that and a number of other things that are scheduled for the show, I was I ask all of you to please join me in saying a Hail Mary to the Blessed Mother, to ask the Blessed Mother to shower God's graces on all those who are involved with or listening to this program today so that we will receive the message that she wants each of us to get at this moment. And so if you would join me, please. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you so much for saying that prayer with me. It is always a good idea, whenever you begin a new activity during the day, to call on our Blessed Mother and ask her to shower God's graces on what you're doing. And that is why we begin every show with the Hail Mary. All right, there, there are a number of things going on today and, and going on over the next couple of weeks that we want to bring to your attention. Uh, one of those is a vote that is going on in the House of Representatives. And I'm trying to watch the vote and, and the results of the vote anyway, uh, as we're talking, because the, it's going on right now. And so if there's a unusual pause or, or I seem distracted for a little bit, I'm just trying to keep you up to date on, on the latest that is going on. Um, the, the vote that is going on in the House of Representatives this morning is a vote on a bill known as the Women's Health Protection, Protection Act of 2021. Uh, to give you an idea of this bill, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops says, quote, it is the most radical abortion bill ever, right, in history. We've never had an abortion bill this radical. Never had a bill where people want to just be able to kill babies before they're born and, and do it at will for any reason whatsoever. Well, that's what this act, the Women's Health Protection Act, what a, what a crazy name, right? That's what this act is doing. It is just opening the floodgates on abortion, and it is opening it in ways that are just incomparable. And we're going to talk a little bit now about how it, how it is doing that. Uh, one of the things I will point out immediately, you, you, I've talked about the USCCB and how it characterizes the bill. Uh, that's the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. And yet the bill is being championed most sincerely. Well, not I don't know if sincerely is the right word, but the supposedly Catholic president, Joe Biden, is pushing this bill and the supposedly Catholic Speaker of the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi, is insisting that this bill be voted on and that this bill be passed. So, you know, it, it is really this bill is really showing 
you know, where people stand on abortion and you can't go by their proclaimed faith because at least these two supposed Catholics who say they're Catholics, you know, who, who you know, just don't follow Catholic teaching at all, all right, um, you can't. You just can't say it's a Catholic bill, but but it, that's what they're trying to say. So anyway, let me tell you a little bit about this bill that is currently being voted on in the House of Representatives. And and please allow me to go through. And, and, and at the end, I'm going to tell you there is light at the end of the tunnel. OK, it's going to sound really bad. And it is. It's going to sound horrible. And it is. Uh, but there is some saving grace. And we'll get to that. As we as we wind up our discussion on this bill. So the Women's Health Protection Act of 2021, there's a version that is in the House and there's a version that is in the Senate and both are the same. And if you're into bill numbers, the the number of the bill in the House of Representatives is number three, seven, five, five. So it's thirty seven fifty five is the number of the bill in the House. And it, it's um, the, the the nomenclature they use is HR thirty seven fifty five. All right, so HR stands for House Resolution thirty seven fifty five. In the United States Senate, it has a different name, but it's an identical bill. So when we talk about one, we talk about the other. Uh, the the Senate is is the Senate Bill nineteen seventy five. So it's designated S. 1975 for the Senate bill, 1975. So 3755 in the House, 1975 in the Senate, and it's all bad. All right. So what does it do? Okay. Uh, it establishes in law a statutory right for women to have abortions, right? Now, you, you, you may recall that the, there is a right that exists in the United States to have for women to have an abortion, but it was a right given to them by the Supreme Court in the Roe v. Wade decision back in 1973. It has never been established as a law of the land. It has never been passed by Congress and signed by the president. So, so the, the ability to have abortions or the right to have an abortion in the United States is something that the Supreme Court has declared, but has never been declared by legislators in the federal government, in the House or the Senate. Well, this bill tries to uh, make it so that the bill is written into the laws of the United States as passed by Congress and establishes the, the statutory right, the right in the law for women to have abortions. It also establishes the right for individuals to commit abortions, okay? Um, and, and it doesn't limit it to physicians. It really opens it up to just about anybody um, can commit abortions in the, in the United States. And, and um, so, so, you know, it, it is very radical uh, in, in what it does. Uh, but it does more than just that. OK, um, it then prohibits the 50 states in the United States from passing any kind of regulations on abortion whatsoever. All right, so it says, you know, we, we, we're, you, you know that we have in the law something called the, uh, the Texas law that went into effect um, at the beginning of this month uh, that put some restrictions on abortion. There are many other states. Mississippi is one of them. Missouri, one of them. Just all kinds of states around the United States who have passed laws that 
restrict abortion in one way or another. Uh, they try to regulate abortion, right? All these laws would be struck down if this was passed. In addition to that, this law says that if the state wants to pass a law in the future, that before they can pass the law, they have to get federal approval to pass the law. So it is taking away the right of states to control the laws in their state. It is moving all, all of the ability for state control of abortion. It is eliminating that unless the federal government agrees. And so it is moving all of the ability to regulate abortion or to stop abortion or to um, insist that parents uh, give consent for a minor to have an abortion, which is ridiculous anyway, because how can parents consent to kill their grandchildren? And, you know, and then it's, it's okay as long as the grandparents of the child. So it, it just takes all this away, it, right? And, and it moves it all up to the federal level. It is a federal takeover of the ability of states to implement laws in, in this area, in, in the area of killing babies in the womb, of murdering babies, right? So, so that, that is part of, of uh, what this law is doing. Uh, they're doing. It's doing you know, a lot of other things. Um, it, is, it is basically saying that abortion must be allowed uh, even in the, the late stages as long as um, the provider of abortion, now remember this is not necessarily a physician, makes a, quote, good faith judgment that there is any risk, whether physical or mental, however insignificant or remote the risk may be to the woman, if the abortionist says, yeah, there's a risk, all right, uh, then the abortion can be performed. So there are no limits on abortion in reality in this bill. So this is abortion up to birth. At any time, for any reason, as long as the abortionist is willing to say, yeah, you know, that's a problem. And it, it includes mental problems, which means, you know, it says, well, if she has this child, it's going to increase her um, expenditures. All right. And she's worried about how to cover them. So um, it's a threat to her health and we're going to kill the child. All, right. all these kinds of, of superfluous reasons. It just allows them all to happen. It, it is really a bill that puts abortion on demand as the law of the land in the United States. This is how bad this bill is, all right? It also, in the opinion of, of most of the people who have analyzed the bill, it will do away with any conscience clauses that, a, for example, today, you know, some, that we have clauses in the laws that says that a, no one can be forced to participate in an abortion, um, if they if they have made known that that uh, their religious beliefs or their own consciences will not allow them to do that. And, and there are laws in the United States, some of which are broken at times, but there are laws that that on conscience protection. Well, this would do away with that. This would say, no, everybody, you know, if you if you're a nurse and you're asked to participate in an abortion. Right. Then you have to do it. You have no legal standing not to do it. Right. The only thing you can do is quit your job. OK. And of course, uh, you know, this is an administration that is, you know, demanding that that uh, people quit their job or, or get thrown out of their jobs because they don't get a particular you know, shot 
Okay. I won't call it a vaccine because it's not, but it's a shot. All right. And if you don't get the shot, you lose your job. Well, if you don't do an abortion as a result of this law, you lose your job. Okay. You're out. That's, that's the kind of law that this is. Um, and, and no one is disputing that, by the way. There's nobody on the other side who says, oh, no, 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 you're misinterpreting the law. You know, it's not going to do all of these horrible things. They all say, yeah, it is. It's going to force that. And that's what's needed, is what they say. Okay. Uh, so so the, the Women's Health Protection Act, all right, uh, will do all these kinds of things. And it's currently, as we speak here, uh, it is currently being voted on in the House of Representatives. Uh, earlier this week, actually on Wednesday, the uh, House voted a resolution that said it was okay to bring this bill up for a vote at any time. Nancy Pelosi promised that it would be done this week, and it's happening today, okay? Uh, and we may know the results. Uh, the results are expected, by the way, that it will pass the House. Uh, it's expected because it is being supported by the Democrats, right? And the Democrats uh, have a majority in the House. Uh, there are 222 Democrats in the House, 213 Republicans, right? It's be, because, you know, it's, there's 435 seats in the House of Representatives. 222 of them are, are Democrats, and 214 have signed the as co-sponsors of the bill, all right? Now, all co-sponsors generally vote for the bill. So it starts out with 214 co-sponsors, right? And it only needs 218 to pass, right? So they only need to have four more votes out of the eight that haven't co-sponsored it. And it is pretty much an assumed fact that it will pass the House of Representatives today. So although we're watching the vote and, and trying to bring you the latest information, it is assumed that this, this bill is going to pass. The, the worst bill, the worst abortion bill in the history of this nation is about to pass the House of Representatives. Um, this morning or, or at the worst early afternoon in D.C., it's after 12 o'clock now. So it, it may take place in the early afternoon, but it's going, it's going to pass. And you say, well, what happens next? And that's that's a little bit of the good news, okay? What happens next is, is if it passes the House of Representatives, it's going to then go to the United States Senate for a vote. Now, in, in theory, the uh, Democrats also control the Senate. Uh, the Senate you know, has 100 members in them. 50 of those are Republicans. 48 are Democrats and two are independents, but the two independents just about always vote with the Democrats. So in effect, there's 50 Republicans and 50 Democrats in the Senate. And if the vote comes out 50-50, then the vice president of the United States gets to cast a deciding vote. And the vice president of the United States is Kamala Harris, right, who is a major supporter of Planned Parenthood, and Planned Parenthood is a major supporter of Kamala Harris, and so there is no chance that she would vote against the bill, right? That, that's, that's the bad news. But the good news is that because this is not a budget bill, it's not a bill dealing with monies, then it is subject to a filibuster in the Senate, 
right? A filibuster in the Senate just basically says that discussion on the on the bill in the Senate can go on forever. Okay, can go on f- as long as people want to continue discussing it. There is no limit on discussion in the United States Senate. In the House, they voted a one-hour limit on discussions, but they don't have the ability to do that in the Senate. And so you you get into a situation which is called a filibuster, which means that as long as the discussion is going on, a vote can't be taken. Okay. Now, you can end the filibuster. There's an ability in the Senate to take a vote and end the filibuster. But in order to end the filibuster, they must have 60 votes. Right Now, there's 50 Republicans, 50 Democrats. So if they, they try to get a vote to end the filibuster in the Senate, they would have to get 10 Republicans to vote with the Democrats to end the filibuster. And then once the filibuster was ended, then it only takes a majority to pass the bill. Right? So our hope here um, is in the filibuster in the Senate, the ability to continue discussions forever, if necessary, so that no vote is taken. And that's a real thing in the Senate. Now, can, can the, the Democrats get around that? There are ways to do that, right? But it would take a majority vote in the in the Senate. And there are at least two Democrats who have indicated they would not support um, doing what it would take to get around the filibuster. It's it's called you may hear terms called the nuclear option. And the nuclear option is the the procedures that would allow the Senate to bypass the filibuster for this bill. But it's it, the trouble is that when they do that, it's not only for this bill, it's for all the other bills. And, you know, just as the Republicans now are happy to have the filibuster um, so that they can block some of these bills. In other times, it was the Democrats who were happy they had the filibuster uh, to to prevent Republicans from from passing the bill. So there is a reluctance uh, within the Senate to to implement this nuclear option. So uh, the, the, the promising news or, or the hopeful news is that even when this passes the, the, the House, which should be today, you should be hearing on, on your uh, news stations tonight that the Women's Health Protection Act passed the House of Representatives, and you'll probably hear all kinds of celebrations from all of those who want to be able to kill God's children before they're born. You will hear a lot about that tonight, but just understand that there is some hope in the Senate. You know, could it go the other way? Could they remove the filibuster? Um, it's possible. I mean, it's it's within the realm of possibility. Is not likely, but it is. Could they get ten Republicans to vote to to uh, end the discussion? Uh, and allow it to go to a majority vote. Yes, that's possible. It is very, very unlikely. Uh, we don't think it would happen. And so we're hopeful that even though this will pass the House, it will not pass the Senate. Okay. Uh, and for all the reasons that that we've just told you. So we need a lot of prayers. Uh, prayers, you know, that uh, that the scenario that I've I've. Uh, discussed with you happens that that the uh, that even if the bill is passed in the House, it will get stopped in the Senate. Uh, all of this, of course, um, just points out the 
importance of elections and the importance of putting the right people in office and the importance of what party controls the House and the Senate and what they can do and what they can't do, depending on whether or not they have control. So all of this is is pointing out the importance of elections. And of course, around the country uh, next year, the 2022, there will be elections for every member of the House of Representatives. Every member is up for either election or re-election next year and for one third of the Senate uh, next year. So uh, there's a chance that we have a year from now to make substantial changes so that these kinds of bills can't even get through the House. But that's up to the electorate. That's up to all you folks out there to to register to vote and to, and to vote and to vote according to God's laws. Um, and, and it's important to do that. But it is this kind of happening that really illustrates the importance of going to the polls and voting in election years. And in some states, um, this is an election year, but the elections this year, no matter where they are, don't affect the members of the House of Representatives or the members of the United States Senate. Um, and uh, uh, the ones next year do uh, clearly uh, affect that. So we, we uh, invite you as, as you listen to what's going on and as you see how close we get to having this horrible, horrible law forced on our country, a law which would immediately kill millions of more babies every year in this country. Uh, when you see how close this is and how it will get through the House, but hopefully be blocked in the Senate, uh, you will understand why during an election year, pro-life forces uh, say, get out and vote, find out what your candidate is. Now, we, we generally, right now, it's, it seems to be the Democrats who are pushing abortion and the Republicans who are pushing back. But that doesn't mean that every Democrat pushes for abortion or every Republican. And so you can't always go by party labels. You have to find out what the individuals who are running in races in your city, in your state, uh, what their positions are, and then vote for people that are going to uphold life. And so we, we, we want to use this as, as what it is, a real live example of how close we are in this country to writing into our federal laws the right to have an abortion, the right to commit abortion, and the lack of any right of anyone to refuse to participate in that. That's where we are in the United States today, and we just have to realize that. Okay, for those of you just tuning in, my name is Jim Sedlak, and you're listening to Pro-Life Activism from Creation to Death on Radio Maria Network, radiomaria.us, a Christian voice in your home. All right, we want to move on now. We, we spent the first part of the program talking about the uh, the Women's Health Protection Act, a, a, a name that, you know, uh, does not protect any women in the womb. OK, um, so so we we uh, just know that uh, the, the act is just named wrong. Uh, but uh, we've we've talked about that and, and we're not going to talk about that anymore uh, in this program. Uh, we may be talking about it more in, in future programs. OK, we want to go on now to another thing. Uh, another case, another law, if you will, uh, that is getting a lot of attention around the country. Um, it is the uh, the, the, the uh, Supreme Court decision 
to take what's known as the Dobbs case, um, which is about a, a law regulating abortion in the state of Mississippi, saying that any uh, after 15 weeks of gestation that it is illegal to kill a baby except for you know certain reasons um and and the supreme court has agreed to take up that law uh during its next term now the supreme court's next term starts on october the 4th so uh that's not far away and the supreme court has set the oral arguments in the dobbs case for december 1st 2021, so uh, a couple of three months from now, uh, a little less than three months from now, uh, there will be oral arguments. And for those who are not familiar with the procedures in the in the Supreme Court, uh, the justices, you know, read the the uh, the the laws that are in question. It, it, they take a look at all of the amicus briefs that are filed by various groups, both for and against the laws. And then they have, uh, in many cases, not in every case, but in many cases, they have oral arguments, which just last about an hour, sometimes a little longer, um, for each side to present their case and, and to uh, argue and the Supreme Court justices to ask questions of the attorneys on, on representing either side uh, so that they can get their, their positions and get their questions answered. And then the justices go back. Um, and they discuss it further, and then they eventually have a vote. Uh, that vote could happen at any time. Um, the typical procedure within the Supreme Court is even if they take a vote in December or January, they don't announce the results of the vote uh, until later in the term, many times not until uh, the Supreme Court uh, final weeks in June, do they come out and, and announce what their, their decisions are in all the cases? So um, we don't expect a, an announcement from the Supreme Court uh, until probably next June uh, in this case. But the oral arguments are, are, are there uh, and they're scheduled for December the 1st. OK, and there, there are a number of things happening about this. Now, what has happened is that the the uh, the passage of the law in Texas which gives ordinary citizens to right to sue abortionists and anyone who helps uh, procure an abortion for any child in the womb that is over, well, whose heartbeat can be detected. It's actually called the heartbeat bill. Um, that translates to about six weeks gestation. Uh, and six weeks gestation is measured from the first day of the woman's last menstrual period. So it's, it's basically a four-week-old human being in the womb. Um, after that, according to the law, uh, you can't uh, kill that baby. Of course, uh, there are exceptions in the law. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's con generally considered and is spoken of as a six-week ban. It's not a ban. It's a, it's a regulation uh, on prohibiting some abortions after six weeks gestation. That has put a lot of pressure on people who you know, want to uh, uh, use it uh, to drum up a business for their side of the, of the abortion topic. Uh, and, and it has given particularly a sense of urgency to the Dobbs case because the Supreme Court had a chance before the... Uh, the, the Texas law went into effect 
the Supreme Court had a chance to block the law from going into effect. It could have said, no, you know, no, you can't put this law in effect now until after we've decided the Dobbs case or forever. But they didn't. On a five to four vote, the Supreme Court said, yes, this law can go into effect. Well, that has um, emboldened pro-lifers to say, well, maybe the Supreme Court is ready to overturn Roe v. Wade. And it has put fear in the hearts of those who who desperately want to kill every child they can in the womb uh, with the fear that the Supreme Court may strike down Roe v. Wade. And so the urgency and the attention being paid to the Dobbs case is far beyond uh, what would ordinarily have have been paid if the Supreme Court uh, had not made the decision they made in the Texas case. Um, and so uh, there's a lot of activity going on. So we're going to mention that because, you know, this is a show um, and we talk about prayer and action. And so there's some action things coming up that, that uh, you should know about in relation to the Dobbs case. And the, the, the first of the action items um, is the fact that on the Saturday before the Supreme Court session begins. And so the Supreme Court session begins on October the 4th. The Saturday before is October the 2nd. And on that Saturday, there is going to be actually both sides are going to have rallies in Washington, D.C. And they're, they're going to have rallies to bring out people. Uh, on, obviously, on the pro-life side, we're going to bring out people uh, to to urge the Supreme Court to not only overturn Roe v. Wade, but to declare personhood for the children in the womb. Okay, and not only in the womb for the children, all preborn children, whether they be in the womb, whether they be in the fallopian tubes, or whether they be in the in vitro fertilization labs. Once a child is created by God that child should be entitled to all the rights and protections of the United States Constitution, including the right to life, which is the first right that is listed in the Constitution. And so the, the, the effort for the Dobbs case is, is really taken on significant. Uh, an, an organization called the Stanton Public uh, Policy Center uh, is holding a rally on October the 2nd at the Supreme Court from 2 to 4 p.m. And I'm using this show now, and they are using their means to invite everyone, everyone, to show up at the Supreme Court building on Saturday, October the 2nd at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. In fact, get there at 1.30, all right, for a prayer rally, right, uh, about the Dobbs case. And there will be... Um, people there who will each spend two minutes leading a prayer. Uh, American Life League will have our, uh, uh, our the head of our Marion Blue Wave effort, the director of our Marion Blue Wave effort. Um, Katie Brown will be there, and she will be one of the people who are leading a prayer. Uh, and, and Katie will be praying that the Supreme Court does, in fact, use the Dobbs case to declare personhood for the preborn child and to give the preborn child the, the rights and protections of every other human being under the United States Constitution. She will be joined by a lot of other leaders of a lot of other groups who are going to be out there 
uh, and leading prayers. Um, and we invite you to come. We, we, we want to, you to come. And it's important that we have a big crowd. Now, you say, why? Well, it turns out that the other side is also scheduling an event in Washington, D.C. for that same day, October the 2nd. Now, their event starts at noon. Right? Our event starts at 2 o'clock. Their event is not at the Supreme Court. Um, it is at uh, another place in, in the city. Uh, our event will be by the Supreme Court. Uh, and so, you know, they're going to try to get out as many people as possible. And you know what the news media is like. The news media just wants to count people. And they're going to say, you know, uh, the pro-babies, pro the pro-lifers have this many people and the pro-aborts have this many people. Right. And, and, you know, I will tell you that if, if the pro-aborts, if the pro-lifers have three times as many people as the pro-aborts, then the newspaper will report that they were about evenly numbered. OK, that's the way they do it. But we want to we really encourage everybody to come out to this event on October the 2nd. Uh, it, it will be a, a prayerful event. Um, it is intended as a peaceful, prayerful event. There is no, um, you know protesting or violence that is planned whatsoever. It's a prayer event. And we invite you to come out to it. And it's at 2 p.m. on October the 2nd in Washington, D.C. If you live in any of the nearby states, uh, please have no excuses, right? It will be um, it, it, it will be important that you get there. Now, what are we talking about? You know, when you, when you say October the 2nd, people say, well, I'm going to have to remember that you know, uh, I'm going to have to really get out there and, and, and remember that, um, except today is September the 24th. OK, uh, September only has 30 days. So October the 2nd is a week from tomorrow. Right. It's not this Saturday. It's next Saturday. It is not far off. I know this year is going by fast. and Many people have commented to me about how fast 2021 is going by. You know, we, we just started fall this week. You know, summer is gone. It's over with. It's history. We're now in the fall season. And October the 2nd is simply eight days from today. Okay? So that's what you have. You have eight days. Right? You don't have, oh, another month. Oh, that's next month. Yeah, well, technically it is, but it's eight days from today. So mark your calendars for October the 2nd and be in Washington, D.C. by the Supreme Court. And you can't miss it. All you have to do is look for the Capitol building, which is that huge building on the wall, right, uh, with, the, with the big dome on it. Look for the Capitol building and it's right behind it. That's where the Supreme Court is. You can walk just across the street to get from the Capitol building to the Supreme Court. I can't miss it. If you get into D.C., you can find it, right? And be there for the rally at 2 p.m. on October the 2nd. We hope to see everybody there. And we, we hope to have a really great turnout because it's needed. The justices have to get the message. And we have justices that, that have shown by their votes in the Texas law that, that uh, you know, are not out to kill every baby every time. Uh, they, they are, they are uh, at least some of them, are, are reasonable. And uh, 
we believe that we have a chance of, of really coming out with a solid victory uh, in this uh, Dobbs case, uh, but it will take a persuasion especially with all of the pro-aborts and their uproar over the Texas law. Uh, you know, justices are human beings and they see what's going on and they see what's going on around the United States. And they they always you know, weigh the impact of their decisions. OK, if we make this decision, you know, what's it going to mean and, and uh, what's it going to mean to to the authority of the Supreme Court, et cetera. So uh, it's important that they know that the people are behind them. And, and we would like to, to really get a large turnout a week from tomorrow, right, at the Supreme Court in Washington, D.C. We invite you to come. All right. We're going to move on to there's, there's a, a couple of other things in the, uh, in, in the news this week uh, that we just want to mention uh, because it's, uh, it's important uh, and, and we need to know. I want to mention something really quick on COVID. Uh, we don't speak about COVID too much here because it's it's not a uh, it's not necessarily a a, a pro life issue. Although obviously people die from COVID um, and people are dying from the shots that they're getting, and I, I won't get into all of that. But I will tell you, just so you know, just so it doesn't come as a big surprise, that there are movements afoot to change the names of the shots that are being given right now. You know, people say, well, I'm going to get the Pfizer shot or I'm going to get the Moderna shot or I'm not going to get the Johnson and Johnson shot or, you know, I'm going to get the AstraZeneca shot or whatever. I mean, that's that's how they're identified. Well, that's only going to last for for a little while longer. That is already changing in Canada and the European Union, and it's going to change here in the United States, maybe not in the next week or the next month, but certainly by next year. They're going to be called different names. Now, they're the same shots. They're the exact same shots, but they're going to be called by different names. The Moderna shot is going to be called Spikevax, S-P-I-K-E-V-A-X. That's the name that they are currently using in Canada and the European Union, and we expect that will be introduced here in the United States. So uh, if, if, if you have been talking about Moderna, it will soon within, you know, six months at least, um, be called Spikevax, right? If you're talking about the AstraZeneca shot, right, um, it will be called Vaxavia, right? That's spelled V-A-X-Z-E-V-R-I-A, Vaxavia, okay? I don't know where they come up with these names, but that's it. And then you get the Pfizer shot and the Pfizer shot will be called Comirmity, right? And I'll spell that again. Right? None of these things are easy to pronounce. It's C-O-M-I-R-N-A-T-Y, Comirmity, okay? Um, so, so those are the new names. Uh, you're not going to see them you know, next week, but certainly over the next few months, you're going to start hearing about them and you're going to start saying, oh, oh, are these new vaccines? What what are they? You know, do they use aborted fetal cell lines or whatever? And you'll start asking questions. And the formulation of these vaccines does not change just because the name changes. They're still the exact same ones that you're getting today. OK, um, or not getting today. Right. And, and they all, in one way or another, used fetal 
aborted fetal cell lines, either in the development, the manufacture, or the testing. Um, so again, it's the uh, the AstraZeneca, um, Vaxivria, V-A-X-Z-E-V-R-I-A. The Moderna is Spikevax, S-P-I-K-E-V-A-X. And the Pfizer is Cominarity, which is spelt C-O-M-I-R-N-A-T-Y. All right. Uh, kind of a diversion there from our usual pro-life topics. But, um, you know, these people want to confuse. You know, why change the names? I don't, you know, I think it's a confusion factor. But maybe they have some legitimate reason for doing it. I just want to let you know that that's going to happen. Right. And so uh, uh, perhaps you can go back sometime and re-listen to this program. Uh, all of our programs get put up on, on the American Life League website. It's all.org forward slash audio. And you can get our shows there. There's there's a, a number of them that, that are up there. And we try to get everyone up. Sometimes there's some technical difficulties. Uh, so we can't, but we, we do try to get everyone up. Okay. Now, the other topic in the news this week and, and the final thing we want to mention today is that the Small Business Administration in this country simply loves Planned Parenthood. All right. Uh, they love Planned Parenthood. What can I tell you? And they keep giving money to Planned Parenthood illegally, right? And don't even comment on it, right? You will remember that uh, when uh, a program uh, called the Payroll Protection Act um, was was done and, and the Payroll Protection Program was put in place, that there were specific rules on, you know, the, the size of the organization uh, that could receive it, and uh, Planned Parenthood clearly did not qualify at all for any of this money. But in the original uh, payroll protection program, Planned Parenthood got eighty million dollars of taxpayer money. Now there's a there's another version of that program going on, and rather than than uh, you know not giving Planned Parenthood any money, the records are now out that Planned Parenthood has received another twenty three million dollars in the current payroll protection program. So that's over a hundred million dollars of our taxpayer money that has gone to Planned Parenthood through these two programs, and the Small Business Administration, despite pressure from Congress has done nothing to recover this money to get it back. Oh, they issued a statement uh, about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago now, demanding that Planned Parenthood return the money. But as far as anyone can determine, and when I say anyone, I'm talking about congressmen and people, you know, who, who have the ability to find out. Uh, as far as anybody can determine, Planned Parenthood has not returned the money. In fact, they've been given more money. Right? This is what happens. So, so when you when you talk about Planned Parenthood and you read all the stuff, Planned Parenthood is losing money in Texas, right? Because they can't do all the abortions. They're losing money, you know. And and uh, you know, the Lyft uh, ride sharing program uh, says, well, you know, we're going to give Planned Parenthood a million dollars in Texas to make up for the money that they're losing. They don't need the money. This is an organization that takes in $1.6 billion a year, right? They have profits 
you know, over the last uh, three years, they've had total profits of about $360 million in profits. But Lyft says, oh, okay, we'll give a million dollars. And other organizations are giving Planned Parenthood money in Texas because of the money they're losing and they're so poor. No, no. We have to understand that they have ways of, of getting the money. OK, uh, and, and they don't need the money and don't let them don't let them tell you. And let's get the money back. Let's get the hundred million back from them. But in case you, you don't know, uh, you know, it, that's not the only way Planned Parenthood is making money from the the, uh, the, the COVID pandemic. There are actually uh, 16 Planned Parenthood centers spread across five different states that get paid by the government to give the COVID shots, okay? Planned Parenthood is not only getting payroll protection program money, they're getting money to give the COVID shots because people don't pay for them, right? They're free. Well, they're free because the government, you know, pays for them. And Planned Parenthood is doing it in five states. The five states that Planned Parenthood has facilities that are dispensing them. There are nine facilities in the state of California. There are three facilities in the state of New York. There are two facilities in the state of Florida. There's one in Iowa and another one in the state of Washington. So all different states around the country, five of them, have Planned Parenthood locations that are actually giving COVID shots um, and, of course, getting reimbursed by the government for you know, their time and effort. Um, you know, this is an organization and we talk a lot about Planned Parenthood and, and we'll continue to talk about Planned Parenthood. But this is an organization that uh, that doesn't deserve any support. And uh, and we need to let them know that. So uh, that, that's the that's the topics we had for today. Uh, if you tuned in late, we discussed the Women's Health Protection Act uh, and my my the screen on my computer froze, of course. So I can't tell you if it's passed yet in the House, but it probably has. Um, we, we talked today about the, uh, the Dobbs case at the, at the Supreme Court. Uh, we've talked today about Planned Parenthood's money and the amount of money that they're getting illegally from the federal government through the Small Business Administration. And I want to just take this opportunity as we, as we pass out of summer into fall to remind everybody that this is the time of the year that Planned Parenthood is out there pushing comprehensive sexuality education programs in school districts and in school programs all across the United States. Uh, you need to fight against these programs. They harm our children. Uh, they harm our society. Uh, and if you if you want more detail on it, if you go and you don't know what what the program is like, go to our website. It's the STOP website, S-T-O-P-P. -P. You go to stopp.org, and on the front page of that website, there is a video called "Hooking Kids on Sex" that will give you a, an overview of Planned Parenthood sex education, kindergarten through college, and you'll see why we fight against the program. So we invite you to do that. We invite you to come a week from tomorrow to Washington, D.C. to participate in the rally for the, the Dobbs, the pro-life rally for the Dobbs case. And we close our program the way we always close our program, and that is by asking our Blessed Mother, Mother of God, please spread the effective grace of your flame of love over all of humanity now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you so much for listening.